Welcome to the Ernie Chan Show. One, go. Hi, hi, this is Ernie Chan and you are now watching the Ernie Chan Show live as you are well aware. The Ernie Chan Show live where I always invite very interesting characters from the business industries who have made it. They are usually people whom you know, probably them or their business brands that they bring to Malaysia. We have a big names coming to our show, the Ernie Chan Show live. If you just join us right now, please share, tag, like, love and let someone know because why? we got another very interesting character here today where another personality that you will be able to learn something, I'm sure, just like every single week where you get to learn from the entrepreneurs, successful personalities that come onto my show, The Ernie Chan Show Live. And of course, if you just come onto the show, I want to bring your attention to this good-looking young man next to me over here. He may look young, but he's definitely not young in his business career. And of course, you will be able to get to know him better in the next 30 minutes of our show in the Ernie Chan Show Live. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the one and only Derek Chung. Right. So Derek, now there's two parts of this show over here. And of course, our guests and our audience over here usually wants to get to know you a little bit more personal. All right. Before then, we drill you to your business itself. All right, right? Sure, no problem. And of course, they want to know a lot of controversial stuff about your business brand. He is the master franchisee of the Sin Fu Tang brand in Malaysia. I'm sure you have heard a lot about this brand and a lot of controversies. Let's see the man himself answers to some of the questions that we have for him. So we're going to ask him the first question to get to know him better. You have two options over here. Right. Choose one of the two options, okay? Right, sure. Nasi or chicken rice? Uh, chicken rice. Chicken rice, very Malaysian, yeah? Chicken rice, but more Chinese Malaysian because he chose chicken rice. Second question, you choose to have a holiday or business trip? Uh, holiday. Holiday. So obviously, they always say entrepreneurs tend to be working a lot, but that's not so true. Majority of them that come onto the show is always decided on holiday. So we do like to travel and enjoy ourselves more than we like to do business. And third and final question, family or friends? Family. Family, didn't even have to hesitate. So for those of you friends of Derek Cheong, give him a hard time later on because he chose his family over you and you are supposed to be wanting to be his good buddies over here, but he chose family over you. So I'm sure the family would love to hear that. All right, thank you very much for coming on to the right. show, Derek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to have a good show over here for the next uh, 30 minutes over here. We're going to get to know you better All right. and also a little bit about your past. We know you are currently carrying the master franchisee of the Sin Fu Tang brand. Yes, correct. Uh, we also know that you are actually not from this bubble tea, uh, glamorous, hot, uh, sugary that try to kill everybody industry before. So before we even talk to you about Sinful Tang, we would like to get to know you better okay. from the past, right? Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, where you came from? Uh, I'm basically from KL, Malaysia. I'm, from, I'm, a, I'm a local grown Subang person. Oh, Subang. Yeah, yeah. But I graduated uh, from the UK. La. I yeah, Lan the UK. Lancaster, is that correct? Yeah, yeah Lancaster. Correct. Yeah, and you studied accounts and finance. Yep, correct, correct. So how in the world from a business accounts finance graduate venture into the nightclub scene, venture into the co-working space? And how in the world did from that itself going going into this uh, bubble tea saga, you know? Okay, so from an accounting and finance standpoint, I think nobody would invest in a trendy business, uh, which, uh, you know, something happens to Colgate space. Bubble tea industry is pretty much the same. It's a very trendy and a very uh, quick dynamics cha uh, business change uh, industry. Sure. 
But then, I mean, the figures, if you look deeper into it, it's justifiable. So from uh, this sort of background, uh, when you come into the figures, you know, the facts and figures, um, then you would, it would be justifiable and investable. And that's, that's the reason why I'm this, in this sort of business. So obviously, he's not a passionate bubble tea guy. He's a passionate numbers guy. As what he has just mentioned, based on the numbers, it looks like a good trendy business to get in there and make a quick buck. So is that how you make a quick buck by always looking at the trends of what actually gives you good numbers? Get in, make a quick buck and get the hell out of it? I wouldn't say quick buck. Put it in this way, like, um, you know, bubble tea has been in the market for like 10 years or more. It's not uh, like a day or two. But then um, it's been sustainable for a few brands, you know, like a few big brands, like major brands you always see in the shopping malls and things like that. It's sure. been there for more than 10 years. So it's not to say like make a quick buck. Even though the quick buck can be made in the sh shortest period but then in the long run it's still a very sustainable business okay so Derek I mean where did your entrepreneurial bug come about you know you are not a very old person you are still a very young boyish looking young man over here mm. we have achieved a lot of different kind of successes in your business so where did that entrepreneurial bug come from uh, maybe some of my parents and I, li I like to read about as well that's maybe where it came from as well so your parents are business owners yeah, entrepreneurs yeah, as well yeah, exactly so what do they do uh, de uh, developing contracting uh, I see plantation all sort of so are you traditional like, type of business I would say okay are you like a I would say silver spoon kind of young man where mommy daddy gave you a lot of money to pump to businesses don't care whether you fail or succeed or are you the kind who was like Anthony from the grab where even though the parents are so successful with Tan Chong he didn't care he came out begging the uncles to uh, use his grab taxi drivers are you that kind of which, which kind of entrepreneur are you uh, put in this way like uh, I wouldn't exclude you know myself from the silver spoon like, put it this way is I have to admit it but then like they gave me like uh, utmost support like, put it this way sure. they even gave me guidance throughout and uh, very good support so when you say support do you mean financial support as well as uh, emotional, mental, what kind of support? Um, more on the guidance, more on the guidance support whereby I would need a quick advice and things like that and then they have encountered a lot. That's where they have shared a lot to me. Uh, put sure. It this way, yeah. So before this whole entire Sinfu Tang success, mm -hmm. what was the first entrepreneurial business stint that you actually got yourself into? Uh, it was basically a co-working space because it was the, I think it was a trend at the time as well. But Is then, it still running? Uh, yes, in a way it's still running. Yes, sure. in a way, but we are lo looking more into long-term lease and things like that. Okay, so it's a property development. Something to do with your parents' properties that you uh, venture into that? Nope, it's uh, whereby we take up, uh, you know, uh, unsold properties and things like that sure. and turn it into a co-working space. Sort of I thing. see. Yep. And you decided that that was kind of like trendy, you went into it. Yep. Is the trend over? Because we have people like WeWork that's crashing down like from a 9 billion value to become almost zero value? Uh, put it this way, the trend is not down entirely, but then it's uh, getting more difficult to sustain and to uh, you know, reap profits. Sure. So that was a quick, fast brand because it was not something trendy in that sense. I mean, we used to have all this co-working space that used to be called shared offices, right? Yep, exactly. Shared offices. And then they rebranded the whole thing to become cooler yep, for the exactly. young yuppies to become co-working. It's it turning into a more trendy vibe thing and, you know, it catered to more young people. Whereas uh, shared offices, it was more catered to corporate people. I see, mm -hmm. I see. So it was for more the uh, startup communities, yep, businesses. Yep, exactly, for more startup communities. Sure. Exactly. And then how did you venture into the nightclub scene? Was um, it like a... That was more like a fun venture with a few friends. Lah. Sure. That, that's just more of a fun venture whereby, you know, 
we cooperated with a few friends who were from the scene and then we invested in it sort of thing. Sure. Do you see yourself as a trendy entrepreneur or do you see of yourself as a growing businesses from foundations building up? Because all the businesses that you seem to be going into are trendy businesses that is a hit and run and very quickly move to the next thing. What do you consider yourself as? Um, there's both. Lah, you know. Um, I mean, I invest in businesses, different types of businesses. You know, trendy ones, that there must be somewhere by uh, you could see the cash flow in a very a quick short time of period whereas uh, the foundation one it, it might need you know uh, more more building more foundations more fundamentals that would take a while I usually invest in both you know to have a good mix and a good balance sure did you money make money from the uh, nightclub business uh, yes but then um, to be fair not a very huge buck put it this way sure mm. was it because of the girls that's why you went to that business or was it because of the booze that you went through the business? No, to be fair, we just wanted to have a place whereby, you know, uh, we can just uh, drink with, with some, some friends, uh, some to organise some gatherings and things like that. We just want a place of our own, put it this way. Wow, you know, wouldn't it be cool, right? To have a place of your own just to drink and it's not at home, it's actually a, a nightclub business. Were there women in this business? Uh, not really, to be fair. We offered uh, like um, a very wide range of multinational beers and things like that. Okay, so yeah. it was more of a hangout place. Yeah, more hangout, more chill. So, chill yeah. kind of environment. Exactly, exactly. Very good, like a sports bar kind of stuff. Yep, so exactly. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching the Ernie Chan Show live. And today, of course, I am with a very personal, a big personality from the entrepreneurial scene of trends that is coming up. You are watching the Ernie Chan Show live. I'm with Derek Cheong the master franchisee of Zinfu Tan, a very, very controversial brand in Malaysia. We are getting to that part. If you have not heard about it yet, do share, tag, like, show me some love over here. And you're watching the Ernie Chan Show live. I'm with Derek Cheong over here. Any questions, please do PM us. And of course, we'll be asking him over here. So Derek, you know, you became the master franchisee of this Zinfu Tan brand over in Malaysia. Now, was it that you was studying over a 10-year bubble tea period kind of a scene in Malaysia and you decided to go to Taiwan and scout out for the brand that you could bring to Malaysia? Um, put it this way, like uh, we went to Hong Kong actually and saw the trend booming because this is a, basically a third generation of bubble tea. Like, because last time you had uh, milk tea sure. and, and uh, now it's brown sugar bubble tea. Sure. So it's a different sort of a generation of bubble tea. There are different brands, different dynamics as well. So um, put it this way, like uh, we went to Hong Kong and we saw that oh the trend is booming over there but then there were only like one or two brands in Malaysia at that point of time. So we decided to uh, swiftly look up for the brands that were really popular globally or internationally or in Taiwan so that we could bring in a brand and maybe just uh, develop it here. I see. So you went to Hong Kong and it's a Taiwan brand, right? Yeah, it was a Taiwan brand that opened in Hong Kong. Hong it was Kong. their first overseas expansion outlet. I see. So you just made a phone call to Sinfu Tang of Taiwan and say, hey, I'm this Malaysian guy. I just decide that I'm going to become your master franchisee. Would you be interested? Is that what you did? Uh, yes, but then, oh, when I called over, I found out, oh, okay, there were 100 Malaysians, you know, interested to bring it over because everybody saw the um, investment opportunity at the point of time, really. Sure. So what was so special about Derek that they chose you instead of the 100 over other um, potential investors? I think it's what I could offer in terms of uh, marketing and, uh, you know, like um, because of our background that uh, we, we can give them like financial stability and, uh, you know, we, we promised a number of others to be developed in a short period of time and then like the first outlets maybe like we could get the locations whereby the others couldn't. And why were you able to get those locations and the marketing ability, financial stability that the others could not? Um, marketing is just basically like a commitment whereby I decided to commit a very huge number because I always believe in a business that a marketing commitment is a very important 
I think it's a very important factor that affects your overall growth of the business. This is what I believe in. So basically, we had the same charisma with the founder of the brand. Sure. And whereas um, for like uh, financial stability and uh, connections wise, I mean, uh, we, uh, I have a very huge network, lah, put it this way. A sure. network that uh, ha- gave me access to you know a lot of uh, very good uh, locations and things like that. Where was this network? Why, why was this network possible? Are you from, again, a very good wealthy family that allowed you to be mixing with the rich and famous that allow you to have all these things that all these other entrepreneurs that did not have? Uh, put it this way, I wouldn't exclude that as well. But then maybe it's the upbringing and uh, my, my very sociable c- uh, character that I uh, get to know friends from all these areas and things like that. So it is important to grow up in a wealthy, rich and famous family that allows you to have all that kind of linkages, right? I, I mean, it gives you an upper hand advantage, but then, sure. it, but of, of course, you have to utilize it in a good way as well. Sure. So do you say that you're a person who know how to optimize every bit of resources that you have? Uh, could say so. Uh, yeah. No, nothing wrong with that, yeah, you yeah, know? Nothing wrong, Some nothing people, wrong, yeah. they have it, they don't know how to use yeah, yeah, exactly, it. Exactly. I believe that you should always exactly. leverage on every single yeah, yeah. resource that you yeah, have. Yeah, exactly. I think you're smart about doing exactly. that. We managed to leverage the resources, la, put it this way, in a very good way. La. And then, I mean, it brought success, of course. Yeah, very because, good. Yeah. So you came to Malaysia after they brought the brand to Malaysia. And uh, what I understand is that uh, you achieved two significant successes, which is within eight months, you were able to open more than 40 outlets nationwide. Is yeah, that correct? I think, uh, at this point of time, in uh, exactly eight months, we open about 44 outlets. 44 outlets, yeah. yeah. How did you manage to open 44 outlets within an eight months period? Because we hit the Malaysian shores uh, at the very right point of the time so that uh, the trend was in and then the flavour and the uh, USP of the brand really suited the market as well. Sure, USP unique selling uh, proposition. Uh, for the customers, right? And obviously, he doesn't care whether you are going to die of diabetes or not. Brown sugar is just so much sugar, more than a Coke, right? We're going to get into that topic. You're watching the Ernie Chan Show live over here. I'm with the master franchisee of Sinfu Tang. That man that brought the brand into Malaysia that created a lot of controversies. We shall get into the controversies over here shortly. Now, the second great achievement that you achieved was, I understand that it was a 4,000 cups of uh, bubble tea, is that correct? Yeah, it's like 4,000 fire cups to be fair. To be 4,000 fire cups. generated about, I think, 50 plus K of revenue in a day. In a day, yeah. uh, nationwide with all the outlets no, or just, just one per outlet, outlet, per outlet? Per outlet, 50,000 yeah, uh, ringgit. 50, 000, yeah. And it definitely caused a lot of people of you out there possibly having diabetic sugars spike up. And uh, you know, I'm very sensitive to that because my both my parents had diabetes and uh, my dad recently passed away because of uh, diabetes as well. Not that I'm blaming on Sinbuta, <laughs> but I'm blaming on those people who are promoting sugary drinks, right? Till today, to be fair also, I've not had a single sip of any brown sugar bubble tea. Okay. Why? Because I was told it's 22 spoons, uh, teaspoons or tablespoons of sugar per bubble tea. Is that correct? I think it's significantly lesser than what you're saying. La. Okay, yeah. so it's not true. La. It's uh, it's untrue. Maybe uh, we're we are looking maybe about 12 to 13. 12 to tees- 13. Uh, teaspoons. So it's a fact that it's more sugar than a Coke drink. Uh, but ours is a natural. Uh, ours is not a fortified sugar, put it this way. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> you see how business entrepreneurs, they always kind of make it sound better, right? Yeah. They say brown sugar is uh, not what they focus on. They focus on organic milk. Yeah. Is that what you use? Organic milk? Yeah, organic brown sugar and organic fresh milk, which, you know, has calcium and helps your body as well. Hey, it makes you feel healthier, yeah. right? So cut down on the percentage of the brown sugar so that you can keep on drinking their Sinfu Town brown sugar bubble milk tea. And this is the third generation now. How long do you foresee that this 
uh, cycle of brown sugar bubble tea is going to last in Malaysia because we have seen the first generation kind of, you know, I remember the Ochado, I remember the Wu Tang, I remember the all those brands of bubble tea that came and it was just like Kota Damansara, boom, a lot of them and they just disappeared. And then another tier came and then they just disappeared. And now this is the third wave, right? Yep, third wave. Put it this way, like, you know, from the first wave and the second wave, you know, the largest brands like Tea Life, Gong Chai, they're still here till today. Sure. They have uh, hundreds of outlets or more. So put it this way, like, I think the largest brands will still survive from the third sure. wave. Yeah. Which I think we, we are there. La. We are the we are the one of the largest in the third wave, hopefully. Hopefully we'll make it through. Of course, you know, there are brands that disappear. I mean it's really happening now. Sure. Put it this way, you know, you can see like in a street whereby there's uh, 30, 40, 50, 60 bubble tea. Yeah, just nearby here in C180, you know, just yeah, that yeah. area. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, exactly. Trader Square. And exactly. In a very small, uh, maybe four streets, there are about I think 30 plus in Trader Square. Yeah, so mm. the people I was told that makes money are people like you, the master franchisees who make on the franchising fees. Mm. And the rest of the world actually loses money. So franchisees actually don't make much because they come into the picture. Is that true? Uh, put it away, really, uh, you are wrong. Put I'm wrong. Way, yeah, yeah. Because, I was told, I don't know, you know. Because um, I think you have probably heard rumours that, you know, uh, franchisees from Sing Fu Tang or licensees, put it this way, sure. make their money back in three to four months. Like, uh, what what business on earth, you know, you can make, get an ROI in three to four months. So, a lot of rumours out there that yeah, says yeah. that the master franchisor or uh -huh. yourself uh -huh. in Malaysia actually makes all the money and is actually abusing the franchisee. So, that's not true. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I, I mean, you can just ask the franchisees personally. Like, it's, sure. it, it, I mean, I can deny it, but then it might not sound very justifiable sure. as well. Sure. There's two major controversies with regards to your brand in yeah, Malaysia. Yeah. So, the first one, everybody mm. wants to know. That's why we bring you onto the show. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm known for asking people questions where they are put on the spot to answer those questions. Yeah, that's yeah. why people watch my show. All right. They are no watching worries. the Ernie Chan show live and I'm with a controversial figure over here. It's we always with a smile answering all my questions over here. I'm sure you want to know this from the man himself. A lot of people write articles and stories and sometimes we don't know whether it's true or not. So the best is always to ask the person himself. So we have the man on the spotlight right now. His name is Derek Chong, the master franchisee of the Sin Fu Tang brand in Malaysia. Derek, the question that everyone wanted to know is this, you know, there was uh, two of your outlets, um, not sure if they are your outlets in Subang, for the past five months continuously being sprayed with the red color paints. Uh, was it, they, were they your outlets or were they your franchisee outlets? Okay, so put it this way, there were two outlets that got sprayed red paint. Sure. Uh, it was the Subang SS15 one, which is my outlet that I sure. operated, and another of, uh, of my franchisee in Sri Bataling. Is this like the bubble war tea or is it more of owing Along's money and then got sprayed? So what's the story behind it? I think it's more like a bubble war tea. Okay, so put it this way, we have lodged a police report. Lah. You know, sure. It's uh, inappropriate for me to point fingers on sure. who's doing it. Sure. But basically, like uh, I think everybody knows clearly like, what has escalated between us and the Taiwan headquarters, which has, uh, I mean, it's not the first time that it happened in Malaysia. Sure. So everybody's very familiar to these kind of stories. Sure. So but, the first time, of course, is with the char time, with the tea life, yep, yep, uh, Brian exactly. Luke, and now it's the second time around. Yep. That's the second controversial that a lot of people want to know from the man himself. Yeah, yeah. So how much of what they say from Taiwan mm -hmm. or Sin Futang is true mm -hmm. and how much of what you say is true? Okay, so put it this way, like um, they are just uh, saying without any proof of documents, but sure. then from us, you know, we can clearly prove on our side, like the documents that we have proved up. 
So has there been an injunction or a legal lawsuit officially by Taiwan to hold you or stop you from running all these outlets right Not now? Not at the moment. That's why this is the weirdest part. Put this way, like there were like you know all these viral circulating rumors, you know all the posting on Facebook and all this. Or media. could you actually be a brilliant marketeer behind this whole entire setup for people to see <laughs> the brand and your pan out with Sinfu Tang Taiwan? You see, people like to know controversial stories and go viral. You know, I think it's a fantastic brand. Uh, branding campaign that you actually ran. If you were the brain behind this viral campaign, I think it's brilliant. Uh, so, are you actually running a marketing campaign to say that you're having this spat with uh, Sinful Tang in Taiwan that's actually causing the virus story that's going around? Unfortunately, not lah. But then we have did some marketing campaign, quite a bit of marketing campaigns to escalate the spat lah. We want everybody to know, and it's a very interesting story, you know. Sure. Might as well, just since they open it up, because to be fair, like our uh, lawyers and the legal consultants on this, they have asked us to you know tone. Down sort of thing. Don't, uh, don't try to put things online because it might get into legal issues like defamation and things like that. Sure. But then, like, since they've escalated it, why not escalate it to another level? Sure. I think it's a brilliant thing that you yeah. escalate it further, right? Controversy yeah. sells. Yeah, yeah. And people like it or not, the more they hear about you, brand top of, uh, top of mind awareness brings people to choose. See, yeah, I mean, yeah. might as well go there, right? Yeah, since there's brand awareness, I mean, any, you know, publicity is good. You know, whether it's good or bad, it's still publicity. There you go. That's the whole idea. Yeah. I always believe the only bad publicity is no publicity. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. So, to take it further, how do you then conduct your business now under the Taiwan brand there is actually a spat going on with the master, the owner of the brand itself. Where does your raw materials come from? Do oh. you actually source it locally or still with no, the no, master no. franchise? To be fair, even though, okay, uh, please, please let me explain, uh, elaborate further. Uh, like even though the spat escalated like very seriously with the uh, Taiwan HQ, but then all businesses are still formally as usual up to now. The raw materials are still from them, everything is like, we still pay the royalties, oh. all this sort of thing. So it's business as usual but just a spat and there's no legal lawsuit, no injunction and then it's a, you know, a bi-national, you know, a legal lawsuit. So, I mean, it wouldn't be happening soon. It will really take like a few years rather than a few months sort of thing. Sure. That's why a lot of people also were saying that uh, the loop holdings, you know, under Brian Lu was actually Tea Time, uh, Tea Live and Char Time was actually a marketing campaign to push it two brands further. But that became more of a serious thing. There was actually a law, legal lawsuit exactly. that was happening in Singapore. Exactly. But somehow or another, it just kind of died off. I think there was an out-of-court settlement. Yep, yep. Even, I think, on federal court, and then there was out-of-court settlement. Yeah, so it kind of worked well for both brands in that sense. Mm, uh, at the end of the day, if you pay off, then it continues. Yep, exactly. Right? Do you foresee that you'll be growing your sinful tongue in Malaysia further with more outlets? Um, at this point of time, um, yes, we are still opening the outlets, yes. And will you be looking into regional expansion under your care for master franchisee for other countries in the region itself? Uh, not at the moment because uh, we are only in charge for Malaysia at this point in time. So sure. we'll just uh, do, do, do our responsibility in Malaysia. Sure. What are the three key strategies that you plan to put in place for the sustainability of this brand among all these other Taiwan bubble tea craze over here that's dying, yeah. obviously. As, uh, the first one, of course, we will select the only the best locations. Like we just had an opening in Genting yesterday, which was a very strategic location, just in a first world lobby Starbucks, just right beside Starbucks. So it was a very strategic location. So the first one is definitely the only Venice select the best locations like, because there are brands out there that open up in, you know, any single location you could think of just for the sake of, you know, opening the shop. But then for us, we only select the best locations. This is the first key like, because we believe even though the trend slows down when there's a crowd and there's traffic, then there's sales. 
Great. How about the other two key strategies? Okay, the other two is, of course, we develop our menu to expand our menu to a, a larger market whereby like people like you, maybe Ernie, you don't sure. take brown sugar drinks. Not at all. Yeah, Something yeah. healthier, probably I'll come and test it yeah, out. So maybe we'll offer like a sugarless option or very fruity, a more healthy option like be yogurt, fruits and all these sort of things. Are you allowed to do that? Is that actually offering uh, yes. offered in Taiwan? Uh, they're, they're, it's not offered in Taiwan, but then they do give us the uh, opportunity or maybe um, to let us uh, do the R&D and we can submit the application in order to you know uh, release a new product in Malaysia okay. to cater to the uh, local market suitability. As the dynamics keep changing, we can't be relying on the brown sugar for a long run as well. Sure. And of course, uh, number three, what would be a core strategy for number three over the, here? Number three would be the loyalty marketing, put it this way. Well, first, um, I think most of the Malaysians by this point of time would have tried our drinks because we have expanded to, I think, most of the states in Malaysia maybe except for one or two. When you say loyalty marketing, do you have like a card for them to stamp chop yep. or what kind of loyalty yep, marketing? Exactly, if you just launch this, like whereby you get, you get, you get a card and you can uh, buy a drink and get your card stamped and then maybe uh, once you collect 10 stamps, then you get a free drink. Or the other one is like, um, there's lucky draws and things like that. And there's, uh, you know, because last time we focused a lot on KOL, online marketing, social media marketing. Put it this way, we are going into like um, different, you know, maybe like uh, magazines, marketing, uh, billboards, this side of uh, loyalty marketing, whereby we get our repetitive customers. Because it's very difficult for us to capture new customers at this point of time. Because most customers have already tried our drinks, unless it's like people like like you already maybe new market right yeah, yeah new market new market that's why we expand the menu and we you know try to capture the repetitive customers and of course new customers hey invite well. me over for food testing man yeah, i'll give yeah. you my honest opinion all right no i'm problem. actually a food, food connoisseur i love to eat and i'm very particular about the food that i eat okay good uh, i think my kind of market is a huge market i see uh, people love to eat but they love to eat good food that tastes good that is healthy okay fair enough uh, i think yeah. that's a new market yeah, that they exactly. want to look into these are the market segments they're going to capture as well Ladies and gentlemen, you're watching the Ernie, Cho, Ernie Chan Show live. I'm here with Derek Cheung, the master franchisee of the Sinfu Tang brand in Malaysia. 44 outlets in just eight months. Amazing growth, expansion. And also, of course, they made about 50,000 in one day from one outlet. If there's something you want to learn, you can actually ask this young man over here who has done a lot of things in a very short period of time. Now, I also want to ask uh, Derek, you know, one of the biggest challenges that you have uh, everyone succeeds, you know, people hear and see the success that you have actually grown so quickly, so fast. Can you tell us what is your biggest failure and throughout the whole entire journey of becoming an entrepreneur? Um, put it this way, I'm lucky enough that I haven't encountered very huge failures, but there are always up, ups and downs, you know, in businesses. Like we have encountered like uh, uh, small failures and, you know, small obstacles along the way, put it, put it this way. Small, can you tell me one specific incident that has uh, taught you something that is huge and big enough that our audience here can actually learn and be a bit watchful about? Uh, maybe like, uh, when we purchased the wrong materials, we over-purchased it. Maybe um, we did a wrong forecast, put it this way, and maybe um, the goods might be stranded and we you know, tap our cash flow sort of thing inside. Okay. Like unnecessary raw materials. What kind of a profit margin are we looking at in the bubble tea scene? Um, you have to buy a lot more to make sure the inventory is just in time, just nice. At the same time, you don't affect your cash flow. Uh, what kind of profit margins or what kind of... Uh, because it's still F&B, right? You yep. can still say wastage uh, losses and redu yep. reduce your taxes and whatever yep, not. Exactly. So being an accounting uh, mm -hmm. person yourself, I'm sure you do a lot of creative accounting. Okay. So 
in what sense, what, what areas of uh, challenges really do you actually have in that area? Um, put it this way, like gross profit margins, I think generally, I think it's not a secret. Lah. I think I think in, in the industry for beverage drinks, I wouldn't say like bubble tea, I'm not sure uh, for bubble tea itself. But then for beverage industry, generally the gross profit margins are looking easily 60 to 80%. 60 to 80%? Yeah, somewhere somewhere there. That's pretty good business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, it's a fact. Lah, you know? it's, sure. it's, it's, it's not a secret anyway. It's not the industry secret. I think everybody knows it if somewhat you know they have relatives in the business and things like I that. see would you be also moving into the F&B in a very big way not just in this franchisee model mm -hmm, approach mm -hmm. would you be crossing over just like the uh the loop holdings where they move into Yao Yao thing, the ice cream, the soft yogurt, they have the Tino's pizza. Mm. Are you having the same kind of directions yes, for your yes, business as well? Yes, yes, we are looking into expanding into like uh, different sectors of the F and B like you're referring to. Some of them might be direct operated as well. Because okay. some, some actually to be fair, like Singapore, some of the outlets we run it that ourselves as well. I see, it's, I it's see. It's not entirely the franchise franchisee model. So how many outlets is actually owned by your team itself? Uh my team itself at this point I have about six six outlets. Six outlets. Yep, and are all these 100% owned by yourself or yep. is it a group of investors? No, no, 100% by myself. 100% owned yep. by yourself. Yep. So you must be making very good money and also living a very good luxurious lifestyle. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright. <laughs> right, eh? So the young people out there always aspire to become the next hot thing, you know. Do you consider yourself as the next hot big wig in the entrepreneurial world of trends that get invited on all these platforms or do you actually have sleepless nights? Um, to be fair, it's a very tough business to be in as well because um, it's a F&B business, it's a micromanagement, put it this way. Yeah, there's always, you know, issues arising every single day even though I just came back from Japan to be fair, like a, on a vacation. Sure. But then on vacation? Every, yeah, vacation. So yeah. you do enjoy your holidays more than the business? Uh, I, I have to lah because um, I mean, everybody needs a break but sure. put it this way, like even though I'm on a vacation, there are always like things to be uh, resolved, issues to be, you know, resolved. Sure. There's always obstacles even though on a vacation to so put it this way. Do you shut your phone down completely or do you actually do still look at your WhatsApp and respond? Uh, uh, unfortunately, no. I actually have to respond immediately. There isn't an opportunity to, for me to shut off my phone, you know. So you do believe in work-life integration then? Yeah, yeah. It, it has to, you know. Sometimes the phone is, you know, is the best thing that might have happened but sometimes it's the worst thing that might happen as well. Sure. Part of the journey, what's the number one thing that you enjoy most about becoming an entrepreneur? I, I mean because um, I enjoy the entrepreneur access, I enjoy the business model and things like that, that's why I'm really into it. Sure. Have you ever worked for anyone before? Uh, no, I haven't worked for anybody before. This I have to admit. So you do not understand what it's like to work for someone then? I, I mean I've tried only on internship programs but sure. then not on an employed program. Yep. Sure. So being an entrepreneur, what are some of the key lessons that you have learned that you can actually advise our entrepreneurs out there who wants to become like the next Derek, to become the next hot thing, the next hot and young thing to take the whole entire Malaysian market, the region market by storm? Put it this way, I think you have to treat obstacles like a very normal thing. You can't, you know, let it hit you too hard and things like that. You have to just take it and try to resolve it in a very good manner. Put it this way, you can't take everything, you know, too personal and things like that. Then you will get into, you know, uh, emotional distress. Sure. So being a very young, hip young man over here, you have said it where when people start to comment things on your Facebook and to say bad things about you and you literally just put a smile out there for them, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to have a very big heart if you're you going to get on the entrepreneurial journey. Sure, and I also get hit all the time, you know. Yep. I always tell people this, if you don't get haters, you're actually not doing anything significant enough. Yeah, exactly. So Fair you enough. do need to have a lot of haters as much as people who love you, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So what would be one good advice that you have for all my young entrepreneurs and also the business community out there? What's the next big thing for Derek moving forward? What's a lesson that all of us can learn from? 
I think for young people out there, I think it's very important to strive and work really hard if you're going to get on the entrepreneur journey because or else, you know, you won't come across any opportunities that might come in your way. You would never know that any opportunity might come in your way. If you don't try hard, then there won't be any opportunities. Great. And if there is one next trend, because you seem to be a very trendy, foresighted person and you'll be hunting, you just came back from Japan, right? What do you think that's not happening in Malaysia, that's happening in the world, that's going to be the next big trend coming to Malaysia that anyone of, out, of these young entrepreneurs out there can actually tap on and be ahead of the game? I, I mean, definitely it will be in the F&B market as the retail market is already slowing down due to the uh, rapid expansion of the e-commerce market. Sure. I think uh, F&B market is a place whereby you could really look into maybe fast food and things like that. A, gra a grab and go sort of thing would be... Uh, I think very suited to the new market dynamics. Did you see something in Japan that was worth to be mentioned over here that we could actually look forward to to come to Malaysia? Because when I was in Japan, I see that there's no longer need of any waiters, waitresses where everything is just AI driven with cameras, Big Brother watching over us with the plates having the chip and then they just put the plate and calculate itself. It's just amazing. Is yep. there anything that you foresee that's coming here soon? Yeah, yes, there might be. I'm not sure if we might cater to the local market as well because you know the um, the market adaptability is uh, totally different from Japan and all these countries as well. We should probably you know look into maybe like um, closer examples or neighboring countries like maybe uh, Thailand, you know Vietnam. That's where maybe you get an inspiration and things from there. I'm heading to Taiwan end of this month, so I shall be checking out all the goodies of Taiwan and bring back to Malaysia as well. Yeah, and I look good. look forward to uh, having new collaborations with, of course, Derek himself. In a very short period of time, half an hour just passed by. We know why when you're having a good show, having a good interviewee like Derek himself, sharing honestly up front to you over here only on the Ernie Chan Show. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past 30 minutes, we've been speaking to the master himself of the uh, bubble brown sugar tea. We may call him the killer or we may call him the new genius of the new wave of bubble tea over here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Derek Cheong, the master franchisee of the Sinfu Tang brand in Malaysia. If you want to know more about the business, you can also check him out. Where can we find you? Where can our audience check you out and follow you more? Uh, I think uh, probably on Instagram where I'm more active. I'm not really a Facebook person. He's uh, definitely a younger type of entrepreneur showing you his lifestyle on Instagram. Check out his big cars, his nice cars, his nice lifestyle. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm not sure whether he drinks his own bubble tea or not. Do you drink them? I, I do actually. I'm actually an avid bubble tea fan before I got into this business to be fair. Okay, let's mm. check out his uh, blood sugar and to test out where it is right now. Okay, any last words for our audience over here, Derek? Um, I think, uh, put it this way, I think uh, it'd be great to you know collaborate with any of you. Any one of you looking to franchise the Sinful Tang in Malaysia, you can always hook him up and hit him up on uh, Instagram itself, right? And your handle on Instagram is? Um, my, my account name would be uh, Derek Chong Ezek. Derek Chong, there you go, right? You've been watching the Any Chance Show live. We'll check you out with another personality next week live on the Ernie Chan Show. Till then, thank you very much, Derek, for being on our show. Right, thank you, Ernie. Thank you very much. And thank you to all the audiences as well. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. And don't forget to share, like, tag the Ernie Chan Show live. Peace. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ernie Chan Show. Don't forget to like and follow my FB page every single day. And of course, stay tuned every Thursday at 12.30pm where I'll be watching you live.